There are precious few authors who cause me to drop whatever I'm reading and pick up their new book when it's released. Lawrence James is one of those authors, and we're chatting with him today about his latest, Key West Luck. In a world where hundreds of new books are released every day, how can readers find yours? I'm Stephen Campbell. I'm the CEO of Camven Media. What we do is provide digital assets and strategies to help authors find and keep new readers and fans. That's the way I pay the bills. But in this show, you and I indulge our shared love of mysteries and crime novels by spending time with the people who write them. Are you ready? Let's get this show rolling. Hey there, and happy 2016. Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm. If you're a regular listener to the show, you've noticed a slightly different format. I'm, I'm not really a New Year's resolution kind of guy, but I really wanted to change things up in 2016. So this is the first show in the new format. I hope you like it. Uh, this show has two types of listeners. Uh, Type A and, and the type that I really want to encourage to listen are the people that love crime fiction, at, that stop by to hear authors uh, converse about what they write, why they write, how they write, etc. Uh, the other type are the kind that are here because they love the guest and they just want to hear the guest. So if that's you, welcome. I hope you like what you hear. Uh, but for regular listeners, I'm adding something new to the show, uh, which you'll find at the end. So please be sure and stay tuned. Today's guest is Lawrence Shames. He's, a, he's an interesting guy. He, he wrote a series of books, or he wrote really a, a, a group of standalone novels uh, back in the 90s. These were books that when I saw them in a bookstore, I couldn't wait to buy them and read them. And then all of a sudden, he disappeared. And I didn't know what happened. You'll hear us talk about that a little bit during the show. But back in the day when an author stopped writing a series, we didn't really understand why. So we talk a little bit about that. We talk about the series, which he brought back to life beginning in 2013. And I just adore these books. They're fun. It's like taking a tropical vacation every time I read one. So that's enough from me. Let's get it going with Lauren James. This is actually the 11th novel in what you're now calling your Key West Caper series, which I think is the perfect name for this series. I have been reading this since the, and I'm going to say the late 90s. I, I, the first book that I found in my bookshelf was from 97. Was, was that when this whole thing started? Actually, it started way back in 1992 with um, Florida Straits. Okay, which I'm, which I'm happy to say is still under option for film as it approaches its 25th anniversary. <laughs> and that's, that's not unusual for you. You've had other books that were not only optioned for films, but movies were made. Well, yeah, um, Boss of Bosses, which was actually a nonfiction book that I, that I ghosted for a couple of FBI agents, uh, was made into a TV movie some years ago. Uh, and then other than that, I've been, I've been very fortunate uh, in optioning the Key West novels over and over again. And, and based on many of the movie adaptations that I've seen, I'd say I've also been very fortunate that they haven't been made into films. So <laughs> I, I, I still have the characters and the settings uh, kind of my way in, in, in my mind and hopefully in the minds of some readers as well. Well, before we get into Key West luck, let's talk for a little bit about the idea of this 
as a series because it's sort of like a series in, in some ways and in other ways it's not. But all of the books take place in Key West. I can't remember if there's a single character that's in each of the books. I seem to recall that, that there is one, but I could be wrong. You know, in, in the books, um, as in many other parts of my life, uh, I've tried to have it always. I've tried to have <laughs> everything I want. And um, I never wanted to do a series um, per se. Uh, I was I was afraid it would get to seem too much like a job, and I've never wanted a job. So I don't have uh, I don't have a sleuth. I don't have a cop. I, I I don't have a protagonist who goes through. Um, and also, a lot of the books kind of fall between genres, which mm-hmm. is which is why I call them capers, because they're they're not mysteries in the sense of whodunits. Uh, they're not thrillers in the sense of nail-biting suspense and horrible things happening. They're basically comedies. They're character-driven comedies. And in Florida Straits, I introduced uh, an ensemble of characters, uh, most notably Bert the Shirt D'Ambrosia, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, old retired mafioso with a chihuahua. And so those characters have come and gone through the novels. Uh, some of them have been, you know, closer to traditional mysteries. Some of them have been flat-out comedies. Um, Key West Luck is more toward the comedic, but certainly certainly with a, with a mystery plot and with suspense as well. But um, I, I've I've tried to I've tried to make it enough like a series so that people will hopefully get involved with the characters and want to follow from book to book. But also, I want it to be clear to readers that they can start anywhere. They don't they they won't be missing out if they randomly pick book number six or or, or book number seven. And the one thing that really is consistent uh, from book one all the way till now is is the setting, which is which is Key West, where I lived for ten years in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's you know my Key West. E- even when I started the series, my version of Key West was a little bit romanticized, a little bit retro, a little bit funkier than Key West at the present moment. And as Key West has continued to change, and in some ways, Key West is less like Key West than Key West used to be. Mm -hmm. So for me, Key West is still the center of funkiness. It's still the center of an outlaw, uh, an outlaw kind of community. It's a place where people go for second chances. It's a place where people go to reinvent themselves. So that sense of Key West as a place and also as a state of mind. That's that's really what holds the series together. And and I, for me, as a reader, uh, I, I think I've read each and every one of these books. And for me, Bert the Shirt is a beloved character, and it's always a treat to become reacquainted with him. But this vision of Key West that you have is, is something that is unique. I go down to Key West every few years, and as the years have gone by, I long for your version of Key West rather than the current version of, of Key West. Well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell you kind of a funny story about that. Um, when I first moved to Key West in 1990, 
uh, I was invited out for drinks uh, with a local character with whom I had some friends in common. And a writer, I'm going to leave him unnamed. He was he was quite well known at the time. And I thought, boy, this is so great. I'm in town for 48 hours. I'm getting invited out for drinks with the literati. This is great. And all this all this guy did for the whole course of the evening was just piss and moan about how great Key West used to be mm-hmm. and, and how great it isn't anymore. And I thought, I've only been here two days. To me, it seems pretty <laughs> great now. And after 10 years there, I kind of started sounded like him and thought, oh, you should have been here 10 years ago. So I think that's kind of inevitable. Um, no one really likes to see places change. And Key Westers, I think, in general, are resistant to change. But but yeah, it's true that the, the, the Key West that I write about and the, the Key West that I keep coming back to in the books uh, is a, a romanticized uh funkified version of of the present Key West. Another thing that makes your books so unique and makes them such a joy to read are the characters. As you mentioned, these are character-driven stories. They're almost character studies. These are unique people that you choose to focus, uh, focus on in the books. In the case of Key West Luck, we've got Phoebe, Nikki, uh, a Miami gangster, a Cuban drug runner. It's it's sort of uh, just a really interesting group of people. Tell us tell us a little bit about Phoebe and Nikki. Well, for you know, for me, the the books are first and foremost about characters. Nobody remembers the plot. There's no reason that people should remember plots. Plots, you know, mystery plots, caper plots are generally preposterous. Uh, Thus, it has always been and always will be. So the parts of it that I really care about are the characters. And this book, Key West Luck, really started with the character of Phoebe. And I just imagined a young woman with a checkered past who comes to Key West for a fresh start. And all she really wants from life is to own a snow cone truck at the beach and she doesn't want any help from anyone. She's had a bad experience with a previous boyfriend. She's not looking for a guy. She just wants to be self-sufficient. Uh, and then, of course, there's this fellow, Nikki, uh, who also has uh, a complicated past that he's not particularly proud of. But when we meet him, he's trying to uh, make a go of it as a bar musician, as a guy who plays guitar in, in, in bars. He's a small timer. Uh, He falls head over heels for Phoebe. Phoebe wants to keep her distance. Complications ensue. Lo and behold, Phoebe does need help to hang on to her truck. And then in the meantime, uh, of course, there has to be some gangsters and some smugglers and some bad guys in it. Uh, So I decided on uh, what if there was a guy who really wanted to smuggle something in from Cuba Although what it was was kind of mysterious, and and that it would go from there, and you know, at the be, because I'm so focused on the characters uh, at the start of Key West Luck, and I, I have felt the same way at the start of some of the other books. I thought, oh my God, there's not going to be enough plot, and because I was concerned about there not being enough plot, I kept making the plot more and more complicated. And I got to what I thought was the last quarter of the book. And I thought, oh, my God, I have six good guys 
who all need to play a role in the denouement. I have seven bad guys whose fates need to be decided. So it ended up being a, a lot to tie together. Um, but that's part of the fun of it. And, and again, that's, that's why I think of them as capers. You know, you, you, multiply, you multiply the complications, uh, you increase the jeopardy. Hopefully by then the reader is really, really rooting uh, for Phoebe and for Nikki. Uh, and then you have the fun of, of tying it all together. And the real payoff for me is that in my books, everyone gets what they deserve. The good guys are rewarded. The bad guys are punished. Uh, I try to make the rewards and the punishment proportional to how good or how bad they were. You know, you get to play God in your own novels and you get to see justice done. So that, that's very satisfying for me. And there's always something that's a little bit absurd about your books. And in this case, the thing that, that jumps out in my mind is the idea of the two guys living in a hot dog. Two guys living in a hot dog. And, and actually, these, these uh, two guys, Pineapple and Fred, I'm very proud of the name Pineapple, <laughs> although there really was a guy named Pineapple. I didn't make it up. Um, these guys actually had first appeared in Mangrove Squeeze, which was uh, the sixth uh, of the novels. And they, were, they just had minor supporting roles. And in Key West Luck, when I was deciding where would Phoebe, who has no money and is, is living in her snow cone truck, where would she live? And it seemed clear that the only place she could possibly live would be in the mangroves up by the airport. And given that she was living in the mangroves, she would have to meet Pineapple and Fred, who are they're sort of quasi-homeless um, they're living in a hot dog that had been a vending wagon that was then abandoned, and they made it kind of kind of homey. So, uh, you know, what, one one of the funny things about Key West Luck, I and I didn't I didn't plan this. I noticed kind of halfway through the book that of all the characters you root for, not a single one of them lives in a house. Phoebe lives in a truck. Uh, Pineapple and Fred live in a hot dog. Nikki and his sidekick Ozzy live on a houseboat, and I thought, you know, that's that's part of the charm of Key West, or at least my imaginary Key West, that you could have all these characters, not one of whom lives in a house. Mm -hmm. All right, now let's let's go back in time. You you began writing this series in the nineties. I don't, I have no idea how popular this was back then. I knew that I was always excited when I went to the bookstore and saw that there was a new book. I still have most of them in, in hardcover. And then all of a sudden, they stopped. And back then, when a series stopped, as readers, we didn't understand why. There, there was no social media. There was no email list. It just stopped. And then a law, I don't know, was it uh, two years ago we got uh, the, next, the next book in the series? Yeah, that was actually um, 2013. Okay. And so, yeah. so what was the deal? Well, it was a, it was a couple of things. As, as I said earlier, I never wanted this to feel like a job. Mm -hmm. and, and back in the 90s, I, I, was a, I was a pretty hard worker, I have to say. And I did a book a year uh, for eight years. And lo and behold, it did start to feel like a job. And I, I was pretty fortunate. The books, the books did well. Uh, it was a great time 
to to be a South Florida crime fiction writer. We all kind of benefited from uh, the success of Carl Hyacin and James W. Hall and Randy Wayne White. It was just really a great time for the Florida crime novel. Uh, I benefited from that, I'm happy to say. Uh, and then a, a number of things happened. I partly was getting a little bit tired of Key West. My wife and I moved away from Key West. There were changes in the publishing business, uh, which I was not very happy about. And I thought, you know, I'm going to maybe I'm maybe I'm done with that. But I wasn't done with writing. And I kind of fell into a next phase of career uh, as a ghostwriter, uh, as a co-writer. I did a book that I'm very proud of called Not Fade Away that I wrote with a, a really fascinating man who was dying. Um, that led to some other nonfiction books. Uh, I did some some deep ghosting of commercial novels that nobody ever nobody ever uh, knew or will know that I wrote that I can't really talk about in detail. Um, and I was actually away from writing fiction under my own name for about a dozen years. Mm -hmm. And in the interim, I had gotten back the rights to the first eight novels, uh, and I had put them up on Amazon. With no expectations at all, I thought these books have been forgotten. My fans, God bless them, have read the books and have moved on. That it's over. But but as a legacy thing, I'll keep them available. And to my complete surprise and uh, enormous gratification, I found that they were still selling, and people remembered them, and people were recommending them to friends. And I was finding, uh, at a certain level, uh, a whole next generation of readers. Uh, and the combination of satisfaction and pleasure from realizing that these were still being read uh, and the fact that I realized, you know what, I had a lot of fun writing those books. Maybe I should see if I still can. Uh, sent me back to sort of uh, the, the, the next phase. And that began with a novel called Shot on Location, which I brought out in 2013, uh, and then Tropical Swap, which I brought out in 2014, I think, uh, and then Key West Luck. So that, that's those are the three in kind of the the next set. And I and, let, let me interrupt you here and, yeah, and just say I remember the day I saw on Facebook that Shot on Location was out, and I just looked at it. And it's like really. Has he been writing these books all along and I missed it somehow? And, you know, I, I raced into Amazon, bought the book, read it that night, and it, it was fantastic. The, the nice thing about this series slash not really a series is, is the idea that you don't have to remember everything that happened. You're only bringing back a few characters uh, from time to time. So in, in the case of Shot on Location, I think it was just Bert and the dog. Bert, Bert and the dog. Um, yeah, and, and for me, again, that's, that, that's part of the fun of it. But, you know, when, when I brought out Shot on Location through Facebook and through email and, 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 and through my website and so forth, I started hearing from people who said, my God, we, we thought you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a ghost, but I wasn't dead. Uh, 
and 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 I wasn't sitting idle for twelve years. I just I just wasn't writing uh, Key West novels with with my own name on them. But 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 it was ve- but it was very nice that people said, "Oh, we're we're glad you're still around." And now you have embraced this whole thing with the series, and all the covers have been redone, yet retaining the original look, uh, the, the original elements. But they they all have a, a similar look and feel now, and there's a number to the books, so people who want to read the entire series are able to do so very easily. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, God bless Amazon for that. But 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 thank you for mentioning the covers because. Uh, I hooked up at when I was when I was rethinking bringing these back. Hooked up with a very talented designer uh, out in Los Angeles, actually, and we've worked together to really, you know, give the books a, a distinctive look. And and for people who still uh, read on paper, which includes myself, mm-hmm. it's nice to think that you can put these on the shelf side by side and. And they're they're of a piece. So yeah, I'm I'm pleased with that, and and this designer has done a wonderful job for me. Well, we've mentioned Amazon a couple of times. Is that the best place for listeners to to grab the books? Yeah, it it, it definitely is. Uh, I became an Amazon exclusive author uh, a couple of years ago. They're great to do business with as an author. I I also love them as a customer. So, yeah, Amazon is the place to find them. And for people that want to follow you online, what's the best place to do that? Um, My website is uh, laurenshames.com. I update it from time to time. I don't update it as often as I should, but but it's a nice-looking, very tropical site, and I hope people will visit. And I will link to that in the show notes, Larry. It has been a, a delight uh, chatting with you, I've been such a big fan for so many years, and I, I'm I'm glad that that you're bringing this series back and, and continuing it. Great, Steve. It's great to be with you, and thanks for the time. I appreciate it. In a world where hundreds of new books are released every day, how can readers find yours? I'm Stephen Campbell. I'm the CEO of Camven Media. What we do is provide digital assets and strategies to help authors find and keep new readers and fans. That's the way I pay the bills. But in this show, you and I indulge our shared love of mysteries and crime novels by spending time with the people who write them. You still there? Excellent. Thank you so much for listening and for hanging until the end. You are the reason I do this show. As, as you know, I love reading crime fiction. But these interviews, <laughs> they take time. It takes time to read the books. It takes time to prep for the interviews. It takes time to do the interview. And I love sharing these books with you. I love being able to shine my little spotlight on some books that I think deserve uh, deserve to have that spotlight shined on them. As you know, I had a little bit of a break over the holidays. And one of the things I did during that break was to get caught up on some of my non-interview reading, some of my favorite authors. And I'm hopefully some of your favorite authors as well. Believe it or not, I was behind on Lee Child, which is probably a crime. But I got caught up on Lee Child. I love the last two Reacher books. The, uh, I don't know, he, he went through a little phase where I didn't like the books quite as well, but he seems to be completely back on track now. Another of my favorite authors that I was behind on 
three books behind. In this case, was Randy Wayne, <clears throat> Randy Wayne White, who lives I don't know about forty minutes from me, up the road. And I had the chance to meet him uh, years ago. Went out on a boat with him and, and had a wonderful time. I love the Doc Ford series. I really enjoy the uh, the Hannah series that he started. Anyway, I was three books behind. I'm all caught up on that. I, I just feel this sense of relief in, in being caught up on these books. So uh, now I can throw myself back into interview reading and, and reading other things. One of the things that I'm reading now, and I love books about Las Vegas and I stumbled across something, I don't know, probably two years ago, a free book. I downloaded it. I never read it. You know, these things where you, you get the free book, you download it, you think, ah, I'm, I'm going to read it. Well, I was going through my Kindle and I saw this book and I thought, I'm going to try it. It was the first book in uh, a series featuring a character called Nadia, N-A-D-I-A, Wolf. And it's written by Nicolette Pierce. So I started reading it. My expectations were zero. Started reading it enjoyed it, started liking it more and more, got to the end of the book, clicked the buy button for the next book, same thing again, click, got to the end of the book. The second book had a little bit of a cliffhanger ending, so I clicked the buy button. I'm halfway through the third book in this Nadia Wolf series. It's about a poker, a female poker player in Las Vegas. It's not really about poker. It's not really about, that's kind of about Las Vegas. But it's, it's a wonderful little romantic suspense series with a great deal of humor. I am going to try and get uh, Nicolette Pierce on the show uh, at some point once I, once I work my way through the rest of the series. I think there are four books total in the series, and then she's written some other things that, uh, that involve the, the world she created for the series. But I just wanted to give you a little sense of what I'd been reading because I do read things, uh, I do read books for purposes other than interviews, uh, but sometimes it's, it's tough to get caught up. Uh, plans for the show coming up. Uh, when I started the show, the goal was to do three episodes a week. I did that most weeks, uh, sometimes as many as five. I think one week I had six, which was insane. There's no reason for me to have done that. Uh, but what I want to do going forward is to try and do two, no more than three shows a week. Uh, early, early on in the year, it, it may be as little as one. But I'm in the middle of a writing crunch myself right now. I've got a deadline of Friday. Uh, I'm recording this on the January 14th. My deadline is the 16th to get this to get a series of short stories that I've been working on for way too long to my copy editor, and then finally get those out. So. Uh, I will be doing fewer shows, but the shows are going to be, I think, a little bit better. So I've got the new format. I hope you like it. You're part of the A-Team. You made it all the way to the end here. So I'm really curious. What are you reading? Email me at steve at camvenmedia.com. I would love to hear from you. What are you reading? What would you like? What do you think I should be reading? Who, who would you like me to interview for the show? Let me know. I really appreciate you listening, and I want to open up a line of communication between us. So one more time, steve at camvenmedia.com. Thank you so much for listening.